0: This is the Jake Asman Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: But joining us right now is one of my favorite New York Jets wide receivers of all time. He also is a big star on HBO's Hard Knocks, if you watched the most recent episode (laughs) last Tuesday night. Braylon Edwards joins us now. Braylon, always great to get you back on the show. Hope all is well, and congrats on a successful Hard Knocks cameo. How about that?
0: Hey, Jake, man, always a pleasure to talk to you. They told me when I turned 40, man, people forget about me, but it's looks like HBO and the Jets are keeping me relevant, so I appreciate it.
1: That was fantastic. So, of course, the cameras yeah. caught you talking to Aaron Rodgers, someone you know well. You guys were a part of that same 2005 draft class as he referenced. But you asked him about Garrett Wilson, and he told you yeah. he's special. So from 117 to another, what was it like being out at Jets camp watching Garrett Wilson?
0: it was so much fun you know I appreciate Robert Sala and what they're doing with the alumni jets, man, they're bringing us back you know you saw Mark was there as well Eric Decker was there they Eric Coleman they do a great job of bringing guys back and keeping us around but it was fun everybody wanted to see what's number eight doing you know myself I want to see what's that connection for to one seven which makes eight and I got to tell you Jake it looked amazing like to see Garrett Wilson and I would have had, to, I had a chance to talk to Aaron and say Aaron talk to me you know how special is he and you heard the sound bite says he's special. You watch Aaron. Aaron's had a lot of guys that were great route runners that over the time, whether it was a Jordy Nelson, whether it was Devontae Adams, whether it was Greg Jennings, whether it was Randall Cobb, but I don't think he's had a guy quite like this with the explosiveness as it relates to speed. Devontae Adams can run, but you're not running like Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson is a guy to the tune of four, three, six, and he has that in and out of breaks. He also can kind of go high pointed for a smaller or, or shorter wide right receiver like a uh, Devontae Smith with the Eagles. Watching him, you see Aaron who was behind on some of the throws. Now, there's still great throws by Aaron. Not many quarterbacks can make them, but he's still slightly behind on Garrett Wilson. That's how fast Garrett Wilson is in and out of his break. So, I'm excited to see what the magic they can make. Because you know Aaron, man, he finds his guys. They typically become superstars in this league.
1: Braylon Edwards, former Jets wide receiver with us here on the Jake Asbitt Show on 98.7 ESPN. So, I saw you tweeted, Braylon, after you were out at Jets practice the other day. You think a fifth (laughs) MVP season could be coming from Aaron Rodgers. I mean, what stood out when you watched him up close, and did you get a sense that this guy seemingly is rejuvenated
0: playing for the Jets? So, I've never seen Aaron in practice before, and yes, I, I did I did drink the green Kool-Aid, but I'll let you know why in a second. Uh, I've never seen Aaron Rodgers in practice, and to be honest, I've never seen anybody that great in practice as a quarterback position and i'm not disrespecting the quarterbacks i played with Aaron Rodgers. his command of the practice his command of the offense his engagement with each player whether it was somebody fighting for the fourth fifth string wide receiver spot or whether it was the number one tight end he's in complete control and he and nathaniel hackett are on the same page so that was great to see but i say this to say that you know obviously we know what area they have to prey on and that's going to be our offensive line but let's talk in the you know speculative world if that offensive line can hold up you're talking about a backfield it has a three-headed monster where you don't know which guy you want to start which guy you want to get rid of luckily that's not our problem this year because you got Randall Cobb somebody you're very familiar with Garrett Wilson and what he's going to do Mikael Harmon and the speedster from the Kansas City Chiefs and then Conklin and the tight ends. Aaron is going to be in a position To throw up some yards, he's going to be in a position to throw up some touchdowns. And also, if this team gets anything from the offensive line, which I think they will, you're talking about a guy that's going to be in the race all year long. He's going to have to make plays to win games, and they're going to need him. So I just think it's going to take an MVP effort for him to get where the Jets want to be, and I think it could happen this year. We're
1: talking with Braylon Edwards right here on the Jake Asbit show. So Braylon, the Jets haven't had these type of expectations since you were last on the Jets going into that 2010 season, ironically enough, that was the last time the Jets were on hard knocks. And of course the last time you guys made the playoffs, how do you handle expectations being this high? What is the key for the Jets to maybe not read the press clippings and go out there and focus yeah. on the task at hand?
0: I think the good thing, I think the good thing for the Jets and it's the same thing that Detroit Lions are going through. There's a lot of hype, but neither team has accomplished anything in the last year. You know the Jets. They didn't make the playoffs last year. They faltered down the end, do the quarterback play. And you saw Detroit Lions the same thing. Yeah, they won eight of the last ten, but they didn't make the playoffs either. And the same message I'm noticing out of Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron didn't make the playoffs either last year, so he's bringing that new energy in. And these guys are like, hey, we haven't done anything. That's the energy that you're feeling. Whether it's C.J. Mosley, whether it's quentin Williams, who got hurt last year as well. These guys know that they haven't an accomplished anything as a team yet, and I think that's what they really want to. They don't care about the money. They don't care about the all pros or the rookies, first team all rookie. They want to go to the playoffs, and they want to they want to uh, drop that that for the uh, fans of the New York.
1: Now, Braylon, a lot of people probably are unaware, but you and Robert Sala go way back. So, your thoughts on Robert Sala, and can you talk about your relationship with the Jets head coach?
0: I was just on a plane with one of his best friends, Brian Masalam, and uh, his brother. Uh, coming back from Jets camp. I've known him a long time, Dearborn Fortson, and also was on the same team with him in Seattle in 2012. But I like I like his approach. I like how he's approached it. He's kept a clear head. You know, he talks to his players. He's not the rah rah guy. He's not yelling down guy's throat, but when he speaks, much like you saw him go after the line about two weeks ago, people listen because he doesn't talk like that always. So I think he's the right guy for the job. I think he and Aaron are working. And I think he and the coaches, I think he and Joe, I mean, he and Joe Douglas, I think they have a really good, keen idea and a fit together. I think you're going to see good things out of Robert Sala this year. We're talking, of course, with Braylon Edwards, former New York Jets wide receiver,
1: Pro Bowl wide receiver, and, of course, part of those 2009 and 2010 AFC Championship appearance. Jets yes, teams, sir. he's kind up with his time here on 98.7 ESPN New York. So, Braylon, I got to go back down memory lane with you, man, because you were such a big component they to might. those teams I just referenced. Is there a specific play or a specific memory that stands out when you think back to your Jets tenure?
0: I mean, there's a couple. I know the fans love the, uh, the infamous touchdown in, uh, in New England in the playoffs when we beat, uh, got our payback on the Patriots. My my favorite is a – it's not that one. My favorite is the, the play before I caught the pass against the Colts in the first round. Caught the pass. We beat the Colts. Nick Folk kicks the field goal. So I caught the pass on the sideline and uh essentially gets us in field goal range we kick the field goal we win the game we're going to play the patriots but the play before that they were playing press man coverage i had a hitch which converts into a go route and i destroyed the db i'm a wide open on the score touchdown and i'm thinking they're not going to go back to the play call it was wide open and rex comes in the huddle and if you remember there was a timeout on the field i can't remember why it's a timeout and rex said, hey hey run that same play again he was he's open so mark says hey look braylon if they play man convert it i'm gonna give you a chance and they ran the same exact play mark gave me a wink i gave him a wink and the rest is history but it was just that was how rex ryan was he was like hey look he didn't know the play call he didn't know what it was but he said hey hey run that run that thing again it looked open so gotta love rex in that moment we called it got the first down I mean, got the completion. And Nick Folkman, he bangs it home and we beat Peyton and then we go on and beat Tom as well. Not too many people can say they beat Tom and Peyton.
1: No doubt about that. And Braylon, when you look back to your tie played with the Jets and Mark Sanchez, of course, was your quarterback, do you think at times Mark Sanchez maybe gets a bad rap by some? Because this is a guy who I look at won four road playoff games over a two-year span. And as you were just alluding to, in the big moments, Mark Sanchez delivered and stepped up.
0: Yeah, not too many people can say that they have four-row playoff wins, and you're talking about Tom Brady, you're talking about uh, Peyton Manning, you're talking about Phillip Rivers, I mean, and Andy Dalton, the Red Rifle. So, uh, yeah, he, he gets a bad rap. I, I think that he would have liked to have some more individuality as it relates to the play calling and being able to, you know, put his own spin on I think they handicapped him a, l- a little bit. But, uh, hey, man, he went four playoff games on the road he made some plays when we needed plays to be made and we were a team and he's part of that team and he was a guy behind the helm so you know forget the other stuff from 2012 i won't even say it out loud like all i do i remember mark sanchez the guy that won us four playoff games 09 and 2010.
1: Braylon Edwards, former Jets receiver, kind enough with his time here on the Jake Aspen Show on 98.7 ESPN. So, Braylon, a couple weeks ago, I was out in Canton, Ohio, watching one of your former teammates get inducted in Darrell Revis. I mean, there's probably no one better (laughs) that could talk about how great Darrell is, because you had to go up against him and practice all the time. So, what was that like to kind of experience playing with Darrell and see him, of course, get his due as a first ballot Hall of Famer?
0: Yeah, rightfully so, man. He was a great player. He was a great DB, uh, one of the best I've ever played with and arguably, you could say for me, it's him, it's Champ Bailey, and it's you know, Charles Woodson in any way you want to work that obviously, Dion being the outlier, and you know, he's Dion's prime, but just a consummate worker, hard worker. He always wants to know, like, if you got by him on a player if you beat him on a play he wanted to come right back to the line of scrimmage and you know what did you do how did you do it what did you see that made you do that he was you know a real stickler for learning the technique learning why someone uh made a move or did something And he was the only guy that had the power to shut down practice there were a couple of times where the offense was destroying the defense and and Darrell in the middle of practice hey hey Hey, start over. He's the only guy I ever known that can start a practice over. But he's a great workman. He's a great teammate. Like he did whatever it took. The guy came to play, whether it was a shoulder banged up, a knee banged up, a hamstring banged up. Darrell Revis was gonna play, no doubt about that.
1: And then finally, Braylon. I mean, look, I know you're now back to back involved with the Jets organization, but you're also hosting a podcast, Armani and Edwards, with the Woodward Sports Network covering the Lions. So, uh, how about a Jets-Lions Super Bowl? Would that would that be something that would interest one Braylon? Edwards.
0: that would definitely interest me because these doggone Honolulu blue and silvers which my dad actually played for in the 80s uh they've been drinking this blue kool-aid and they got me drinking it as well uh kind of mirror images you know dan campbell going into year three robert solid going into year three you know they got the team that they feel like can do it the jets have like the team that they feel can do it both drafted well I think it's going to be interesting to see. I can't wait till opening night. The Detroit Lions finally given a chance to play on the the main stage as they start the season against the returning Super Bowl champs and Patrick Mahomes. I want to see what it's about because I think the Lions are going to surprise some people this year. And I think I don't think it's hype. I think it's real. Brad Holmes knows what he's doing drafting. He's drafted extremely well. You're going to see that from Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell and Brian Branch, who will be my favorite player A young rookie on that team. And don't forget about Aiden Hutchinson, the big guy last year who should have won Rookie Player of the Year if it wasn't for Detroit's own Sauce Garden New York Jets. He's Braylon Edwards, one of the best receivers the Jets have had in recent memory,
1: kind enough with his time to join us here on 98.7 ESPN New York. Braylon, thank you so much for coming on, my friend. Enjoy the upcoming NFL season, and hopefully we get that Jets-Lions Super Bowl just for you. We'll take a quick break, come back. More of your calls coming up here. It's the Jake Asman Show till midnight. We're coming right back with more.
0: This is the Jake Asman Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: That was nice to see. Cool to see him, Mark Sanchez, Eric Decker. You know, I ran out of time with Braylon last segment, but maybe I should have asked him if he wants to play receiver for the Jets, replace Corey Davis, right? Maybe him or Decker could come in and play receiver as Corey Davis retired at 28 unexpectedly on Wednesday. 800-919-3776. We'll talk more Jets and Giants coming up at 1130. LeJay Dusable. is going to be joining us. Former Jets defensive lineman actually played for the Niners when Robert Sala was his defensive coordinator. He now works for CBS Sports. He's going to be joining us to preview the game tomorrow, coming up in the next segment. Let's get back to your calls right now here on the show. We'll go to Johnny in Virginia. He's first up this segment. Johnny, what do you got for us? Thanks for making the call.
2: Hey, what's going on, Jake, man? I appreciate you uh, taking my call. And um, Hey, man, you're doing great. It's great to hear you on the radio as well, man. Appreciate um, that, First and Thank foremost, amazing thing to hear, Braylon Edwards. I still remember like it was yesterday. It was January third, and it was 35 yards. We needed to go. Mark Sanchez drops back, throws it right to Braylon. A strike spins off and is dragging both defenders into the touchdown. That's still to this day one of my favorite, favorite, favorite Jet moments of all time. Yep, yeah, right. it felt
1: like in that moment, Johnny Braylon Edwards like represented like every Jet fan, just dragging Patriots into the end zone with him in that playoff one. Incredible.
2: Exactly. Um, And the other thing I did want to talk about, kind of piggybacking on what you were saying about Corey Davis, first and foremost, I like Corey Davis a lot, right? But I truly don't believe that it's a make make or break it for the New York Jets. There's this narrative that's out there now, right? With the whole Jets fan nation saying, oh, our wide receiver core is, is done. Like, that's it. We need to trade the entire boat and, you know, get all these players, blah, blah, blah. I still believe that we have the wide receivers that we're going to be using. I think, you know, Taylor, Brownlee, Gibson, any of those dudes can step up. And the simple fact is that we have Aaron Rodgers, right, who makes wide, like average wide receivers look great as well. And, and nobody's talking about that. You know, I mean, just the other day, I think they showed it on, uh, on, on the TV, stating that Aaron Rodgers goes ahead and is checking off that defender. Those stuff that, those little things that he's doing, and he looks so refreshed being there. I'm excited for the season. I can't wait. And Jake, man, thanks for everything you do, man. And like I always say, go Jets. And my wife would love to have Eric Decker back. Just wanted to put that out there as well.
1: <laughs> I'm sure she would. Appreciate the call, Johnny. Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of a lot of the female Jet fans would love to see Eric Decker. Back on the Jets, no doubt about that. Let's go to the King in Atlanta. King Lowski is up next on the Jake Aspin Show here on 98.7. What's up, King?
3: Jake, my brother. It's always good to hear you on the radio. How you doing this season?
1: King, I appreciate it, man. What do you got for us tonight?
3: Hey, man, I just want to talk a little bit about the preseason game, about Aaron Rodgers playing, man. Everybody's worried. Everybody's talking, oh, what if he gets hurt? What if he gets hurt? Man, ain't everybody playing? Football has to be played, people. What are we doing? If it, if the game ain't got to be played, then ain't nobody, ain't nobody, everybody should be scared to go out there, man. The man wants to play, let him play, okay? Now, about the offensive line and all about this stuff, man. Hey, man, I'm not worried, man. We're going to run the ball, and we're going to run to throw the ball. So, at the end of the day, man, I'm not worried about nothing, Jake. Let them fools talk. It's going to be Jets, just yes, 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 to the end, and I ain't worried about nothing, Jake.
1: King, I appreciate it. Look, I hope you're right. The, the inner jet fan of me is like, man, does Rodgers have to play? But you're right. It, it's football. You can't coach scared, to quote the head coach, Robert Sala, earlier in the week. And the point you made is spot on. Rodgers wants to be out there, and this is a guy who has not played in the preseason since 2018. So, obviously, Aaron Rodgers is not going to want to play if he doesn't think it's going to be beneficial for him to be out there. So, I defer to the guy who's won four MVPs and is going into the Hall of Fame on skates. So, do I want him out there? Me as a Jet fan, no. But that's the inner Jet fan in me. If Rodgers thinks he he needs to play, all right, he needs to play. Let's keep going with your calls right now. Let's go to Jose in Brooklyn. What's up, Jose? What do you got for us?
4: Hey, good evening, Jake, and shout out to the company. Definitely wanted to call in with the – you know talent that you had on with the oh, hair and Mr Edwards and I always thought that uh you know, when when the Jets decided to let um, Braylon Edwards walk, you know, that, that kind of you know, was, was, was the downturn because you started to see all the offensive weapons kind of get downgraded around Sanchez, which, you know, we then we got to see the buff fumble year and, you know, everything went downhill after that. But um, my main concern with, you know, it's not that it's not Aaron Rodgers wants to play, you know, to me, I, I I've always thought that, you know, if the players feel like they need to play to get you to, you know, to get that camaraderie and to you know get that consistency and also, you know, the rust out the way. Then you know, albeit all so, I'm always going to trust Aaron Rodgers on that. It's more of, like I said, with the offensive line, because I was telling Chantel, like, you know, even though I do think, you know, how horrible the offensive line is a little overstated because we haven't found our starters yet. But I do think that, you know, it it is going to be interesting to see how Rodgers works with that offensive line and see, you know, how how, how well they do.
1: No doubt. Thanks for the call, Jose. Look, what makes me feel better about the Jets O-line is that Dwayne Brown's off the pup list. I know he won't play tomorrow but he's going to be the left tackle opening night and the emergence of Becton at right tackle. Like the best case scenario for the Jets was they have a tackle combination of Dwayne Brown and Beckton. Like Going into the training camp, that's what the Jet fan wanted to see. And as of right now, that is the combination you're going to see at left and right tackle opening night against the Bills. AVT could stay at guard. McGovern's a solid center. You hope you can get the San Francisco 49ers version of Lakin Tomlinson at left guard and then you feel a lot better about this O-line. And once again, Rodgers gets the ball out quick. You have really good weapons. You have a running game. The offensive line doesn't need to be the 9 Jets O-line for them to be successful, right? We had Sean O'Hara on earlier in the show tonight. They don't need to be the 7 Giants offensive line for this team to have success. They just need to be competent, and I think they got the players to do that. Let's go to Doug in Seattle. Doug, you're next up. You're on with Jake Asman here. It's 98.7 ESPN. What do you got for us, Doug?
4: Hey, man, good evening, Jake. Uh, Long time, no talk. Um, Yeah, man, uh, I just wanted to get your opinion on this. So, obviously, today we saw, like, the, I guess, the trade out of nowhere with with Trey Lance going to the, you know, going to the Cowboys. And I kind of wanted to think, does that make Zach Wilson more, I guess, less of a bust coming off that compared to what they got for with Lance? And, um Yeah, I guess I'll just take your answer off the air, man. You have a good night, and I can't wait to uh, see you in uh, Vegas in a few months. So, have a good one.
1: Can't wait, Doug. Where I am right now at Circa Resort and Casinos, where the big party is going to be for Jet Raiders. Uh, As far as Trey Lance, look, I I mean, we could debate who's more of a bust, him or Zach Wilson. The answer is Trey Lance because Trey Lance has played, what, 300 snaps in his NFL career, four total starts, and he's on a different team already. But... I mean, Jeff fans, do you really feel that much better about Zach Wilson because Trey Lance is a bigger bust? Like, who cares? Like, Jeff fans, do you feel better about Sam Darnold because Josh Rosen was a bigger bust from that draft class? So, I don't know. The answer is Trey Lance, but does anyone truly feel good about that? I don't. Let's go to Evan in Astoria. He's next up on the show tonight. We got LeJay Doosable joining us in the next segment, so we'll squeeze in Evan right now. What's going on, Evan? You're on with Jake Asman.
5: Hey, Jake. Good to talk to you, man. I'll try to make it nice and quick for you. Um, I do want to give... Daniel Jones' props. I'll change it off. By, I know we usually talk Jets together, but I, I want to give a Giants point while I can because, Go for it. you know, you look you look at the Jets, it's hard to make it in New York, especially when you come, you know, Daniel Jones, Duke isn't necessarily the biggest community ever, especially for football. And, uh, you know, very similar environment to where Zach Wilson came from. And he came here. He had the same dysfunction with GM, same dysfunction with coaches, uh, even worse weapons arguably than Zach. I mean, he never had a Garrett Wilson, right, that, that Zach Wilson had. And he was able to make uh, – to be a pretty good to above average quarterback. And now you're giving him some weapons this year, whether it's Hodgins or, um, you know, Waller and a bunch of other guys. I mean, I, I, I and again, now he's got some coaching, some consistency there. Two years in a row, the same coaches. I think he could be really, really good. I think he gets too much hate, uh, you know, for whatever it is. He looks kind of goofy. He came from Duke. He was – people thought of him as a reach, so I think they made his decision that he's gonna be bad right away when they when he was picked six overall. But Daniel Jones has so much going for him. I'm actually just as a New York sports fan, whenever a guy can like break out of the um the crucible that is the the media and the fans and succeed in that environment, it's always impressive to me. It's like it's kinda of like Stanton in a sense. Um but even better because he's younger. He didn't have the success Stanton had before he came here. But let's get your thoughts on that. Evan, appreciate the call. Look, I give Daniel Jones a lot of
1: credit for last year. That was last year, though, right? Now you're paying him $40 million a year. The Giants are telling you they think there's another level to his game he can get to. If he gets to that level, the Giants could be a pretty good team because I believe in this coach. I think they got some talent on defense. I think they added enough weapons around Daniel Jones with the caveat being Darren Waller's got to stay healthy. It's a big caveat. But now Daniel Jones got to take another step forward year two in this offense. I like Daniel Jones. Am I going to anoint him as a top-ten quarterback? I'm not willing to go there just yet. But if you're projecting him to get to that level, it's not crazy. We've come a long way because a year ago, you would have been nuts if you tried to make the argument Daniel Jones could be a top-ten quarterback in this league. I mean, the Giants themselves told you they didn't think he was going to be their guy going into this season. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option, as everyone in New York is well aware by now, a season ago. So I like Daniel Jones, but he's got a lot to prove this year. Doesn't mean he can't do it right? But really, the, the success of the Giants' season, for them to get to another level, it's going to come down to can Daniel Jones take his game to another level? Because I like the rest of this team. But now you're paying the quarterback $40 million a year, there comes expectations with that. That's just how it goes. Leger Ducible is going to be joining us in the next segment. We'll talk Jets and Giants with the former veteran NFL defensive lineman. We also will get his take on the Giants picking up Isaiah Simmons, a trade they made just the other day. Legé Duzal from CBS Sports joins us. Then back to your calls to wrap up the show. It's Jake Asman with you till midnight. It's 98.7 ESPN New York.
0: This is the Jake Asman Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Tomorrow at MetLife Stadium, the debut of Aaron Rodgers as the Jets quarterback. And joining us right now is a former New York Jets defensive lineman, former New York Jets analyst on SNY. Now you check him out on ESPN calling college football and, oh, yeah, covering the NFL for CBS Sports HQ. He is LeJay Dusable, and he joins us now. LeJay, always great to catch up, my man. I hope all is well.
6: Everything is well, um, Jake. You know, a lot going on. College football, week zero kicks off this week. So it's busy, man, but football is back. You have to love it. Aaron Rodgers
1: is back. Uh, LeJay, I got to start there, man. I'm nervous as a Jet fan getting set (laughs) to watch this game tomorrow. (laughs) You know I'm scared. So kind of break this down. I mean, Rodgers wants to play. Salah wants him to play. Your thoughts as a former player on Rodgers going out there with the starters against the Giants?
6: Yeah, it made a lot of sense. And I think Rodgers had come out earlier in training camp and said, if Robert Salah wants me to play, you know, the third week of the preseason, I'm all for it. And I think he's actually excited to get out there because – We know this, Jake. Aaron Rodgers does have some freedom in this offense, right? And we've seen, you know, clips, whether it's on hard knocks or one dead drive. We heard Randall Cobb, you know, be vocal about it to the other receivers. Like, you guys continue to mess up. Eight won't throw you the ball. So you need some of that in-game action, right, where he makes some adjustments at the line of scrimmage, gives you a hand signal. He needs to make sure everybody's on, on, you know, on the same page when those live bullets are going. So it made a lot of sense, right? Because Rodgers has been in Green Bay his whole career, since his first year here with the uh, the New York Jets. And yes, he's very familiar with the offense because he was with Nathaniel Hackett, you know, when he had back-to-back MVP seasons. But now you got Garrett Wilson, you got Tyler Conklin, you got a new offensive line. And it's communication that has to be had that's key for your progression throughout the season. So the only way to get better at that is do it in live game action. Yes, it counts in practice, but it's a lot different when it's unscripted, you know what I'm saying, Jake, and he has to call it off the cuff. So I think that's what Aaron Rodgers was thinking when he was like, you know, I'm excited to play in this game. I, you know, I kind of want to play in this game. Just so we can get those nuances out. Go. I like, kind of have like a rough run through before we get ready for the regular season.
1: leger Doosable is joining us here at 98.7 ESPN. Former Jets defensive lineman played under Robert Sala when Robert Sala was the defensive coordinator with the San Francisco 49ers. So LeJay, Is he the right kind of guy? Is he the right coach to lead this team back to the playoffs, to lead this team maybe to a Super Bowl, right? You know him better than most. Your thoughts on Robert Sala entering a huge year three?
6: Definitely. I believe so. And I felt like they were a a near playoff team last year with the issues they had at the quarterback position. And I think that's how you can tell if a guy is right for the job. You know, when things aren't going well, how does the team respond, right? Even though, you know, the Jets – had struggles at the quarterback position this team still came out and fought every week right I mean I believe it was six games Jake that they lost by one score or less so just imagine even if you just split those in half right you get a 10-win jet team they're in the playoffs right so I think there's kudos to be had not just for Robert Sala but Joe Douglas for the 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 group of players he's put together on this team right to try to build this thing the right way, and think about Robert Sala. I can tell you, he's one hundred percent authentic. Like the guy that you guys see out on that podium, the guy that you, you know, see running up and down the stadium stairs, the guy that you see with all the excitement on the sideline, that is one hundred percent the embodiment of Robert Sala, right? And I thought it was weird that a lot of people, you know, watch Hard Knocks and thought that quote unquote Robert Sala doesn't hold players accountable. What he doesn't do is throw people under the bus. But he holds his players accountable and he holds them to a standard you always hear him talk about we played our brand of football and there's a standard that comes with that so he holds players accountable but players love him right because he doesn't throw players under the bus right but they go out there and they run through a brick wall for him so i believe robert Sala is the guy to, to lead the jets back to the uh the playoffs and they have the right quarterback now to do that we know what that defense is and i think the defense has only gotten better since you know being a top four defense last year
1: Did you enjoy his speech about the crow and the eagle? If you got a chance to watch Robert Sowell on Hard Knocks, Lachey?
6: I did watch that. I I thought it was a great way to open up Hard Knocks, right? And it makes a lot of sense, right? A crow isn't really, you know, worried. I mean, an eagle isn't worried about a crow, right? Because at the end of the day, once it soars, you know, to different lengths, a a crow can't breathe up there. So it's a great analogy as far as, like, shutting out the outside noise, right? Don't worry about all these crows. We're trying to soar like eagles. So that was great. And that's the thing about Saul. He always has little tidbits like that. Like, I I think something that was interesting with him when I was with him, his first year as a D coordinator, every day we came in, he always had a brain teaser. He always had us thinking, right? And that was just to get us up and going for meetings before we went out to practice. And that's—and you saw a little bit of that, you know, in in Hard Knocks with that meeting, with those analogies that he had in the Hard Knocks opening scene. This is what he does on a day-in-a-day-out basis. Like, that wasn't just for Hard Knocks. That is who Robert Sala is day in and day out.
1: LeJay Duzable, former Jets defensive lineman, now CBS Sports HQ analyst, is my guest here on the Jake Asman Show. It's ESPN 98.7 FM, taking you till midnight tonight. Jets Giants in the preseason, final game for each team at MetLife Stadium. And Legé, a lot of talk about this Jets offense, of course, but how about the Jets defense? I want to hear your thoughts as a former Jets defensive lineman about the current state of this defensive line. All we hear all summer is Jermaine Johnson looks amazing, and he's going to break out. I know you loved him coming out of Florida State. Your thoughts on Jermaine and the rest of that defensive line now in a huge year with Robert Sala, of course, the head honcho in charge.
6: Yeah, speaking of Jermaine Johnson, looks like he could have a bigger role earlier in the season than we initially thought. Now, we knew he was going to get an uptick in, in plays, right? He was around like 30% last year. I already said coming into this year, he's probably going to be around 40 45% but we don't know what the status of Carl Lawson is right now. And there is rumors that he could potentially miss week one. So it looks like Jermaine could be starting week one opposite of John Franklin Myers. So uh, just talking to Jermaine and I went out there to Spartanburg and the cross practice with the Carolina Panthers, just seeing him how he's transformed his body, right? We already knew he was a physical guy. And that's a lot lot of people don't talk about that. And I I said this during the draft to me, he was the best run stuff and defensive end in the draft. Like, he played more physical than any other deep edge guy coming out in that class last year so we already knew he was a great run defender we see that physicality throughout training camp we saw it versus the carolina panthers but i think he's taking this game to the next level when it comes to getting after the quarterback like there's been times during training camp he's been unblockable there were times during i believe he only had 11 snaps in that carolina panthers game he was unblockable in that game at times and i was there starting offensive with so he was one of my breakout players. I had it on CBS Sports uh, HQ. He was one of my breakout players this year, and I think he's going to take the proverbial step because most players, you see the most most growth from players from year one to year two. I think he's going to fit into that mold. And then you look at what they've done in the back. I mean, Tony Adams is a guy I've been singing his praises since the beginning of training camp. Robert Sala found found a gem last year. He played really well for the Jets down the stretch, and he's one. He's a rare thing to have back there because he's one of the few safeties the Jets have that have the playmaking ability as far as going to get the ball out of the air, right? As far as having a true ball hawk, that's what Tony Adams is not a lot of people kind of scratch their head. Like, why isn't this kid playing? Well, you don't want to get your one true ball hawk put him in a position where he potentially could get hurt. Now he'll go out there and play this week because all the starters are playing all the frontline guys are playing but I think Tony Adams is a guy that's going to really help take this secondary to the next level with his ball hawking skills. So CJ Mosley is, you know, the captain of the defense. He's going to be where he needs to be playing to play out. He's going to line up everybody. He's one of the smartest linebackers I've actually ever been around just talking with him throughout the last two years. Um, so this defense is prime. I mean, I even talked about Quinn and Williams. He has been unblockable for the whole training camp. And you would, you know, you sometimes worry you know jake when somebody gets their money how they react to that and you would never know that quinn williams got a bag because he literally has been dominating practice playing and play out cross practices they haven't been able to block them whether it was the carolina panthers or the tampa bay buccaneers so this defense was already a top four defense jake i'm telling you right now this is going to be a top two defense with the potential to not be a not not be number two they have the potential to be the number one defense in football That's how much skill set they have on that side of the ball.
1: LeJay, from your lips to God's ears, the Jets have the number one defense in the NFL this year. Of course, LeJay Duesable, former Jets defensive lineman, is our guest here on 98.7 ESPN New York. Jake Asman with you until midnight. LeJay, let me ask you about just the idea that the Jets and the Giants play every year in the preseason. Robert Sala said earlier in the week, hey, look, it's not going to be the atmosphere of week one at MetLife against Buffalo but he wanted Aaron Rodgers to experience a night game at MetLife and there's going to be some extra juice because it is the Giants. You played in a lot of those Jets-Giants preseason matchups. Is there more juice than a typical preseason game when those two two teams play?
6: Oh, definitely, because this is usually always a dress rehearsal game. So, like, when I was playing, it was always the third preseason game. And now it's weird, right, because there's coaches that have so many, you know, so many different reasonings to what they want to do in regards to playing players in preseason, right? Yes. Some guys use that game two as a dress rehearsal. Some teams are playing game three this week coming up as a dress rehearsal. The Jets are one of those teams. So this was always the Snoopy Bowl for us, right? It was always big as cross time rival with the New York Giants. And we always wanted to win that game. So for one, your frontline guys are playing. So it, it gives you that real game atmosphere. Now, I know the Jets, I mean, the Giants are going to rest a lot of their guys but the Jets are going to play all their frontline guys for the first time. So there'll be a little bit more juice in regards to that. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think there's rumors that, you know, the starting office may play two series, probably with, same thing with the, the starting defense, maybe two series and then get them out of there. But it'd be good to, for them to go out there, especially a guy like Aaron Rodgers to to, to, to feel that, you know, that, that New York crowd, right. Coming out at MetLife, understanding what it is. Cause the next time he does it, like you said, Jake, it'll be Monday night football, and that's gonna be a totally different atmosphere versus a divisional rival in the Buffalo Bills. So this is a nice dress rehearsal for some of the frontline guys that haven't been here, the Randall Cobbs, the you know, the Aaron Rodgers, the McCole Harmons, the Adrian Amos, to feel what it's like to come out at MetLife, you know, and, and be the home team and, and have the fans behind them.
1: Well, Jay, just promise me though, that you know, Robert Salo won't pull a Rex Ryan, your former coach. And put Aaron Rodgers back out there late in the game if the Jets are trailing with backup offensive linemen to try and that's win the Snoopy gonna, Bowl.
6: That's never gonna I mean that was that was weird. So that was I would say 2013. You're talking about Mark Sanchez, right? Yep. When he went and, back yeah. out there. And then Mark Gino came in as a rookie. Yeah, Mark hadn't played the whole game. And then randomly, I think he just put him in there in the third quarter. I think everybody thought, you know, Gino was gonna take all the snaps, and then I'm trying to think who was the backup behind Mark. I don't know, was it was it Matt? It might have been Matt Sims. I thought I think a lot of people thought Matt was gonna take it the distance, but then he threw he threw Mark out there, and then Mark ended up getting hurt and missing the whole season. So yeah, you don't have to worry about that with Aaron. Ron. taking <laughs> Ron's thinking one, maybe two series, and he's gonna shut it down for the rest of the game.
1: Sounds good to me. Lejay Dusable is our guest here. It's Jake Asbin with you, 987 ESPN New York. Lejet, let's talk about the Giants now. Uh, They made a move. They acquired Isaiah Simmons in the trade. I know on Twitter, you were high on this move. What do you think Isaiah Simmons can provide in Wink Martindale's defense?
6: Well, the thing I'm interested in, Jake, is where is he going to play? And that's the thing about Isaiah Simmons. He's always kind of been a positionless football player when it comes to defenses, right? And and that's the thing about Wink Martindale. He kind of has a positionless defense. So Wink Martindale was high on this guy coming out of Clemson. And I guarantee he's probably going to use him to blitz a lot because Isaiah Simmons really took a step last year when they blitzed him off the edge and getting to the quarterback. And that's some of the things he did at Clemson, right? Um, there was rumors that he just wanted to play safety, but he didn't play that well at safety. I, I think playing him at linebacker, we can use some athletic ability, you know, make some guards miss an open field, backdoor some blocks, and then blitz him on third down. That's where I think his strength is. And it'll be interesting to see how Wink Martindale implores his skill set in that defense. Because the one thing about Wink Martindale – He's going to bring that pressure kind of like rex ryan did right he's going to be he's going to put his corners on the island and he's going to bring that pressure so it'll be interesting to see what they do because you know they, they did sign bobby Okariki this this past offseason. season he's played really well in the preseason where does isaiah simmons fit you know with the rest of that defense for the new york giants and how will wink martindale you know implore his skill set will he have a certain package just for isaiah simmons to do things that he does really well I think that's what Mike Martindale can do. And I know he's giddy because he was really high on Isaiah Simmons coming out of college.
1: We're talking with Lajay Duzable, CBS Sports HQ, NFL analyst, 12-year NFL veteran. He's with us here on 98.7 ESPN. Finally, Lajay, just big picture. Your thoughts on this Giants team? Last year, no one had them going to the playoffs. They go all the way to the divisional round. Your thoughts on the expectations now for the Giants under Brian Dable in his second year as the team's
6: head coach? Yeah, high expectations. I think it's predicated off them trading for Darren Waller. And we kind of saw a little bit of that last week, what Darren Waller can look like in this offense. Great job by Mike Kafka, scheming him up. They put him out wide. They put him you know, in, in line tight end position. They put him in a yo position just so he can have different mismatches. I mean, JC Horn was out there on the island with this dude and Darren Waller just beast him on a slant route and got open and got a first down. So if Darren Waller can stay healthy, I mean, it'll be massive for Daniel Jones because if we look at this offense, right, and how the evolution of this offense has kind of changed first eight weeks of the season it was really based off of saquon barkley and running the football but if you look at that back eight games of the season and into the playoffs he kind of ran the offense as if he was back in buffalo I'm talking about brian dayball with josh allen he put more trust in daniel jones they ran the offense through daniel uh through daniel jones and we saw that last week right they came out i don't even believe they ran the ball the first series right they literally threw it almost every single time. And it kind of reminded you of like the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen type offense, right? So I think Mike Kafka is going to put a little bit more onus on Daniel Jones. And I think they're more comfortable now after they saw what they saw the back end of the season and then going up to Minnesota and winning the game. That game was fully on Daniel Jones. Like they entrusted him with everything. He had more rushing yards than Saquon Barkley, had more rushing attempts than Saquon Barkley. And still, I believe, threw for over 300 yards that game. So, they put a lot of faith in Daniel Jones. And it looks like it's going to be the ball, and no pun intended, is going to be in his court, and they're going to run the offense through him. But I think when you look at the rest of the NFC East, right?
1: LeJay, just promise me, though, that, you know, Robert Sala won't pull a Rex Ryan, your former coach, and put Aaron Rodgers back out there late in the game if the Jets are trailing <laughs> with backup offensive. Thanks to LeJay Doosable for joining us there. On tonight's show, coming up, quick commercial break. Then we wrap up our show. Jake Asman hanging out with you till midnight right here on 98.7 ESPN New York.